It is the Chair Shot Podcast episode 474 here on the 18th of May. We are back here on a... It's been a while since we've done a, a Monday show, a rare Monday show. Back on a Monday evening with your weekly uh, uh, dose of uh, uh, reviews and, and, and chat and, and fun and games and all that. Uh, on, on what has honestly been like one of the longest Mondays uh, in recent memory for, for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, by the way, joined as always by my favorite dependable goals. First of all, the producer, Paul Griffin. Hello. And also Mr. Joe Towner. Yo, yo, it's Mr. Worldwide on the mic. And uh, I don't know, this, this, is just, this has just been like slow and, and draining. I don't know what it, what it is. I talked to a few people today. Have you lads felt the, the, the drain of this of this Monday or what? Yeah, I, I'm um, back to work just today mm. after a week off, which doesn't help. But even aside from that, yeah, it's just been a, a bit of a slog of a day. Um, I'm going to break Actually, I had today off. Um, okay. It's been a three, three day weekend, so it's actually been quite nice. Uh, just went out early to do shopping, and then went for a nice walk by the river. This afternoon, so That's all right. It's been a pleasant one. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird taking days off in the current climate because you're not sort of tying them into holidays anymore, obviously. Um, so it's more kind of like, when do you feel like you need time away from the work computer, basically? Yes. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's, I think today feels very much like I might be, uh, might be due one. Um, but we will see. Also, just to, to kind of talk about this right up front, a, a pretty, uh, a, a pretty grim news day in the, in, in the wrestling sphere. Which uh, I just wanted to to make mention of up front. Um, I think all three of us here at, at one time or another will have uh, definitely read the work of uh, one uh, Larry Sanka of Four One One Mania, uh, mm-hmm. who just a few hours ago it seems we're recording this eight PM Irish time on uh, on Monday. Uh, it just uh, came out from Four One One that he passed away. Um, I, I I would assume somewhat unexpectedly. I, I didn't hear or know that he was sick. Um. Uh, yeah, and and survived by his wife and and kids, which is just so 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 sad. Um. Yeah, that's that's a. I'm I'm kind of surprised at how at how um affecting that news has been because he's a uh, a real um. Oh, what would you even say? Like a real tentpole of the online wrestling fandom. He's yeah, standard bearer stalwart uh someone who i think i mean we've all read his stuff if anyone has ever read a recap of a wrestling show online you've probably mm. read read his work and i think he was a fantastic writer in this in the classic kind of sports writer sense he's very concise and clear and uh you know economic with with how he would recap shows um, and didn't often get into kind of beefs he wasn't like that kind of you know opinionated online writer that you tend to get with someone who's just very much like a workhorse, you know, of writing. Uh, and someone who I've been reading for a long time, you know, I, I used to read 411 Wrestling 
com as it was um, before it became four one one mania uh, about twenty years ago. Um, it's very very sad. Obviously, been through kind of health problems in the past few years as well. Um, just oh, really horrible news. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's crazy because I kind of even though I read his stuff, I didn't realize how how many people read his stuff to be honest i i kind of had considered him considered him a bit of an unsung hero but seeing all the tweets and so on that have come out in the last what two hours mm. seems like everybody is kind of in the same boat like even up until last week i think i, I would um have at least a quick glance of like if there was a match or a show that i had um kind of tentative interest in watching i would i would even have a quick glance at just like the score or if there was a match that had um you know divided opinion his would be the one that i would go uh, and check out because number one it was very uh easily accessible on the website itself but also i found that a lot of the time his opinions more so than really anyone else especially more so than uh maybe better known writers uh, aligned a lot with my own opinions. Yeah. Uh, and so his, his was kind of the voice that I would go to seek out. But like I say, I was really surprised because I didn't realize quite to the, the extent to which his, his stuff was read. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised at it now myself, the, the amount of stuff, his stuff that I read at a time when I'm, I'm watching very little wrestling for some reason, I, I I don't know what the draw. Obviously, his writing was a draw, but something would would draw me in. Four one one mania wrestling, and that was really the only thing I would read on four one one mania was his stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I I agree, and I think it's I I think it did become something of a habit for a lot of you know online wrestling fans. For, for a lot of the reasons the two of you have just said, you know, it was consistent and it was kind of uh, something that Joe said. It was no nonsense. He wasn't, he wasn't the most like prominent, like wrestling Twitter personality. He wasn't in dust ups every other day. Like, like, you know, not, to, I'm not trying to disparage Dave Meltzer or anything, but you know, Dave's on the timeline all the time, getting into this, that, and the other thing. And Larry just kind of watched wrestling and just reviewed wrestling. And that was his gig. Um, um and and yeah i mean not uh, i would struggle to think of a of a uh, a show he he didn't cover in some capacity over the years um and you know his is a name uh, you you'd hear as paul said like you, you might be surprised even today at just the 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 breath of uh, of feedback so re- a really 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 um a significant loss to to, to the community and uh and uh, really, really unfortunate news today, and, and obviously, you know, prayers and well wishes to his his family and friends who knew him personally. Um, and just you know, uh, while we're on the 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 really bad news of the day, uh, it's something of a like a very weird, very still developing story uh, that originally came out of TMZ again just a couple of hours ago. These stories are kind of uh, coming out roughly the same time. Uh, Shad Gaspard of of formerly of Crime Time and formerly of WWE. Uh, it appears he was swimming with his son, um, uh, and there was uh, some kind of current or some kind of uh, 
uh, kind of out of nowhere storm that seems to have taken him and his son uh, um, to a position of danger while they were swimming and and uh, the uh, the local coast guard intervened and, and Gaspard insisted that his son be held first he was uh, and then per the reports it, there was a, a a large wave that kind of overtook Gaspard and it seems like he submerged and and literally as of this recording kind of seems like he, he he disappeared and they they they're now searching for him I, I guess so I guess this is a missing person situation at the moment um very very uh, very very weird story especially as we're kind of recording this right now because it's i don't really know where we are with it but that's a very very sad story i don't even think he was 40 years old i sorry i don't mean speak in the past tense i don't believe he is he is 40 years old i think he's 39 um very sad story that's still developing um at the moment and those stories are the saddest um, because, you know, in the event that he's not found, it's like it's a story for the family that that might never have a closure, you know, and those are, in a sense, the worst ones, you know, so that's just super, super sad as well. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so a, a, a rough a rough day of news. I wanted to, to, to get that out there uh, um, uh, early on and just make mention of it. Um, and yeah, well wishes to, to the families of both. And and with regards to, to Gaspard, hopefully there's you know some positive news by the time this this comes out. It might be one of those things that, that it's a freak accident that he that he, he survives, and we'll look back on this as just a, a crazy story. But um, yeah, so. You know, we'll apologize in advance for the for the awkward tonal shift. We'll try and get on now with the usual uh, show, uh, talk about our, our our weeks and all that, and just get on with uh, with with trying to have a uh, a fun show to to take take everyone's mind off the the shitty day in what might be the shittiest year um, imaginable. Um, uh, although you know. On the on, on a slightly positive front, we are we're the dawning of a new era, Paul. Um, yeah, you and I. Sorry, Joe. Um, uh, here in in Ireland. Uh, so what are we? If we in phase one, they're they're kind of dishing out the 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 the, the COVID uh, release like the Marvel movies. We're, 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 <laughs> we're in phase one now. So we've yes. got, you know, we've got, you know, we're, you know, the, the pubs reopening is very much Spider-Man coming over from Sony. That's what we're all really waiting for, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, to be honest, today doesn't really make mean a whole bunch to me because I don't need to go to B&Q, especially today, um, which no. seems to be the hot spot of the day. But, um, but yeah, what about you? What have you been up to uh, this weekend slash this week? I mean, well, today I just stayed in all day. So, as you said, phase one hasn't meant a whole lot to me. Yeah. Um, I did have the week off work, which was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take that week off every single year. I think I think I've taken that specific week off for the last five years because it's the week in which two events fall. So, first of all, as I mentioned last week, it was herself's birthday. Uh, on the eleventh, yeah, she, she's not here next to me as she usually is. Um, so she's twenty five now, which I think makes her the oldest living woman in the world. Wow. Um, yeah. Whew. So we got her some nice gifts. Got her uh, two kilograms of gummy bears, oh. which she loves. 
uh, a little bread sh- uh, plushie because she likes baking and she likes plushies. Right. So combine them. Wait, it's like liter- it's like literally a loaf of bread it's with a face. Like, it's not a character. No, I don't know what it's called. It has got a face. It's not just a, an actual loaf of bread. Like no, it's got a face. It got a smiley face oh. on the end. Uh, what else did she get? Oh, I don't remember. Loads, loads of great stuff. Um, so we had the cake and a lot of it, and we had a lot of good fun. Uh, we watched the bit of the Lord of the Rings, which I'll get to in a bit because she loves those movies. Um, and then uh, on the fifteenth was our six-year anniversary Jesus. of when I tricked her into going out with me way back then. Uh, so yeah, so we, we actually on the Friday, which the 15th was actually the day, uh, we had already planned with other people that we were having a barbecue. So we had that. And then we had the idea that we should, you know, on, on a normal year, we would go out to a restaurant or we, we would do something, uh, special for the, usually we, we go out to a specific restaurant that is in the Dublin city center. So with that uh, unavailable for the time being, we decided to have uh, a restaurant dinner in inverted quotes mm-hmm. in our house. What? So, so we dressed up all nice. We uh, we we made the food ourselves. <laughs> we put the tablecloth on, candle, flowers on the table, everything, and we had a little make believe restaurant uh, dinner. That was very nice. Um, I put the photos up on my Instagram, doing hella numbers. Let me tell you for what I regularly get on there. <laughs> well, I will say you looked you looked quite spiffing. I must say. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I I did have a wee trim of the beard because I think yeah I was ha- I was ha- I was more along the old Barry Murphy beard. Uh, prior to that, I said, well, we better have a little tidy up. Yeah. Um. So that was great. Uh, also, listeners, we, we ha- something we haven't really mentioned on air, but hopefully listeners have noticed a sl- a, an improvement to the audio quality of the show Yeah. Uh, in the past, like, three. is this the third week we're using this? We're, we're basically using a completely new system to record the show. We're not using Skype anymore. And, and actually, some of the podcasts I listen to, are because of the COVID-19, are now using Skype. Oh my god! I can't. I, unlistenable. I can't listen to it when the little skips and the little. Yeah. Oh my god! I was listening to um, uh, IGN's Game Scoop, which is like one of my favorite weekly podcasts. I, oh, I was nearly having to turn it off. It was oh, so bad. Oh no! Imagine, imagine that level of contempt for the listener. I know. I know. So we 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 <laughs> we not Skype on the head anyway. We're using a new system, which uh, hopefully sounds a lot better. And in addition to that. I have a shiny new microphone. I'm not using a headset anymore. Um, what is it? Ten years and ten and a half years in, I bought a nice microphone uh, on the advice of my good friend Joe, who has the same model as I do. I believe I have the little Blue Yeti Nano. Yeah, yeah. Uh, microphone. Uh, what color is your one, Joe? It's a dark kind of blue. Okay, I have the dark red one. Because it was the cheapest option. Um, so don't say we never do anything for you, listeners. 
hopefully this podcast now sounds at least 50% professional sounding because we made an effort for it to sound good. Don't say we don't do anything for you because let me tell you, a, a, a decade ago on the now dead chair shot forums, you're like, mm, lads, this show sounds a bit shit. Well, a decade later, baby, we've gotten a slightly better <laughs> system and Paul has finally bought a microphone. So, egg on your faces. It's like um, Avengers Infinity War and, and Endgame. Sit through the tortoons and the Ant-Man and the Wasps of the world, and at the end, you shall have a good one. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you stuck with us from those days where not only did it sound like I was on a tin can and string, but that I didn't take the beans out of the can before I put them in the I'm you stuck it out, uh, uh, listeners. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, it's, yeah, I, I gave it, the first week we did it there two weeks ago, um, uh, I, I gave it an hour listen, and I, I thought it was immediately and immeasurably noticeable. It was, it was, it was very reassuring to hear. Um, yeah, more, more credit to the producer Paul for his his, his tremendous efforts Wee. to make the show sound as good and come to you as efficiently as possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm still doing it in bed in my underwear, so you know, baby steps. Sorry, it's, it's a wrestling podcast. You're not launching a missile, you know. <laughs> We're not going to criticize your form. <laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty much all I get up to. All I got up to this week, anyway. Uh, I did shag all this week, uh, so I will pass over to Joe. Um, didn't do too much. Had a day off, which was a nice three-day weekend. Because to be honest, um, after last week at work, I've pretty much given up. I have zero motivation. <laughs> I think I don't know if it's Corona or whether it's just uh, I've been there about a year now. Um, right, it's, it's just oh god, another day of dragging myself in, dreading tomorrow. But anyway, um, the weekend was nice. Um, Instagram followers of mine may have noticed a drastic change in appearance um, yesterday yeah. evening. Um, decided. We kind of think about it for a couple of weeks now, but I got I got my hair cut just before lockdown, which was it's coming up just nearly two months now. And hair was starting to get a little bit long, and I was kind of thinking realistically, I'm not going to go to a hairdresser or you know get someone in for at least a few more months. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not letting anyone touch me until there's a vaccine. Vaccine. Yeah. So I decided why not cut it myself, baby. Um. Obviously, didn't want to actually try and just trim it because that would have probably gone absolutely terrible. Arseways, yeah. Looked look, look a right mess. Um, so just went number three clip all over. Gone, gone completely shaved. Um, and I now look like Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. Um, so if you, if you haven't seen my Instagram, you can go to my profile and save a few videos on there. Um, yeah, it's feeling good. I haven't shaved it since I think it was... 20 the last time I shaved it. So it was yeah, I've seen pictures of you from way back. With yeah. The... When I was sort of 18, 19, I used to shave it, but that was the last time. So it's been a while, but I do I do like it. It's a bit of a shock every time I see my reflection because it's very, very short. Um, but it, it's nice. And um, I think the best result is that I was quite worried after 15 years that my hairline would have 
um, retreated like a French soldier. But mm. um, it has, it's actually it's actually pretty much where it was 15 years ago. So that is a, a major result. Um, so yeah, pretty happy with that. This will this will keep me going for a few months. It's funny because I saw your um, picture. I saw the first one where you said like haircut of a League Two football or something, yeah. and I thought he looks very smart with that hair. It looks nice. Yeah. And then I went to the next one. Oh my god! He's got no hair. <laughs> Baldy man. Hair versus hair match. Um. Yeah. I. I. I mean, I'm gonna have to get there at some point because I. I do have the old French soldier hair. Um, but uh, I'm going to cling on as long as I can to the old Dean Ambrose locks <laughs> and uh, let nature take care of it for me. Ooh. Have the old Paul Heyman do. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Or a Jake the Snake Roberts. That's what I was worried about, you know, if I tried to cut it properly, ending up with a Jake the Snake kind of... Whatever he's got going on there, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, is that like method acting or some shit, or what the fuck is he doing? His cut, the top half is shaved. I don't really, and then he's bald on top. It's a very interesting combination. Um, <laughs> well, whatever he has, it distracts you from. He's not just a baldy man. You know, oh, something's happening there. I can't tell if he has hair or not. What's going on? Whatever you say about Jake Roberts, you definitely can't say that he's bald. Yeah, like like Paul mentioned there, I thought your kind of midway point of uh, of cutting there. I was like, I thought it was pretty good, you know, because I, I mean, the 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 results I've seen uh, of the lads, the boys, uh, giving it a go or giving their misses a go on uh, on doing the hair. I mean, to say they have been mixed would be an understatement. And I think the the the, the safest and most consistent thing to do, I think, is is, is what Joe is, has done. And I just commit to getting it all off. I mean, does there's, 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 you know, don't <laughs> add, add uh, hairdressers and barbers to the list of workers we should no longer take for granted when this is all over, because it's very hard. Um, uh, I'm going the old don't bother route, baby, and just letting it go. Um, uh, me and my roommate both. Um, Bring back he, the old Barry Lad Afro from 2010. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that, but you know what? I think I think that was just a moment in, in history that's passed, because honestly, I think the amount of time I have left it grow, I think is more than I had mm. at that time. It just doesn't seem to go in that direction anymore, which is probably for the best. Um, that is a, a an iconic look. Then I, I, I make sure. I mean, if you if you're a very new listener or a new follower, you you'll have seen it because every time it comes up on a time opera or a Facebook memory, I always post it because it's great. Um, uh, I, I, I I love reliving it, but uh, I don't think it'll be back. Um, no, my, mine at the moment is very much just, I mean, it is going crazy. I mean, I, I, I was kind of saying to myself, me and my roommate were saying, ah, we'll just, you know, it'll be funny. We'll just grow it out until such a time as we can cut it. But now it seems like getting it professionally done seems really off in the distance at this stage. Um, and it's getting to that point where it's just getting a little bit irritating. It's like curling into my ears and the beard, like I keep, my man pointed out to me, it was her birthday there, so I popped up to the house, did a little kind of social distance, kind of, hey, here's your cake, I'll chat through the window and all that. And she pointed out that I've got a new tick where I'm, I'm sort of constantly grabbing my beard and giving myself a Jim Neidhart. Um, 
<laughs> I eat down to a point. But like it's my, my hair is just so wild that it, it doesn't stick that way. It just goes back to being in, in ten different directions. And she says it's really crazy. But um but Selavi, Joe did a Joe did a good job anyway. Um, thanks, thanks to Michelle for her help. Oh yes, of course. I you had your, say that, otherwise we get in trouble when she listens to this. Yeah. So yeah, she did a great job. And I think that'll be our weeks. Uh, who wants to kick off a bit of Telegov? Uh, I can go. Um, I'll finish The Mandalorian, finally. Um, watched the last couple of episodes. Um, I was pretty good. I enjoyed the last episode. I thought it kind of tied up the season okay and, and set things up quite nicely for, um, for the next season, whenever that's coming. Um, yeah, not not too much to say on it. I thought it was it was kind of probably on par nearly with the, the early, the very first few episodes. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty good. Uh, looking forward to that coming back. Uh, also finished off the OC rewind that we've been on. So watched series four, which I'd never seen before. Um, it really goes quite mental in season four. There's a lot of shark jumping moments. Um, quite baffling i quite enjoyed the final episode it's quite sweet um but yeah definitely one of those shows where like season one is absolutely brilliant season of television and then it gradually just kind of goes off the rails completely by the time it gets to the end uh so the great show um been watching also well the last dance um chicago bulls documentary uh on netflix uh have you watched that yet no what's that yet? barry uh, I'm a couple of episodes behind. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not finished yet. I think we got another two or three to go. Um, very enjoyable. Very kind of enjoyable documentary kind of seeing, you know, behind the scenes. Michael Jordan's quite an interesting character. Even that he, he's not, there isn't much to him, it seems, outside of being, you know, Michael Jordan, superstar basketball player. But he, that in itself is quite fascinating. Uh, and seeing how everyone else sort of reacts to him. Um, one thing that's kind of a bit frustrating is that it's not chronological. It jumps around an awful lot, even from kind of um, section to section. And I don't really know the history of the Chicago Bulls that well in terms of like when they won championships, when Jordan kind of went into some sort of retirement, tried baseball and then came back. And it's a little bit hard to follow because I'm kind of like suddenly we're in 91, then 98, 93, 96, 90. Apart from that, I guess if you, if you are a real like basketball fan, you'll kind of know this stuff anyway. So maybe jumping around makes it a bit more kind of interesting. That's the only thing that's a bit problematic. But yeah, other than that, pretty good. Um, we've also been plowing our way through 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. Um, if you didn't hear my review of that before, it's a show where Americans go abroad um, to meet uh, foreigners that they're planning to marry, people they've met online. Um, this season is, is particularly kind of pathetic lineup of, of saddos who are being <laughs> fooled by uh, gold digging 20 something women from Ukraine, uh, Colombia and elsewhere. Um, I think that the highlight is still very much Darcy, who is this um, kind of five foot tall, 40 something American woman who cannot resist getting her boobs and arse out every five minutes. Um, <laughs> what is she, a big brother? 
<laughs> I, you say that. I mean, I don't know if you remember Kinga from Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, the old. Um, yeah, she's a bit reminiscent of her, to be honest. Kind of older. Version. Oh, me minge. Oh, me minge. Um, yeah, and she's now she she was with a Dutch guy in the first two seasons, but she kind of bin they binned each other off. Now she's met an English guy, who is the most annoyingly stereotypical English prat that you'll ever meet. Like he, he wears silly hats, he goes hunting. He like he took her on to play cricket on like one of their first dates. He's he's like a kind of Austin Powers meets Mr Bean. He's, he's really <laughs> objectionable. But to be fair, she's worse. So it actually makes him kind of the, the sympathetic one, which is weird. Um, but yeah, that's a great show. I'd recommend that to anyone. If you want to just uh, watch some pure shit, um, if you want to scrape the bottom of the barrel, definitely check out 90 Day Fiance. Uh, really, really entertaining show. Uh, that's been about it for this week. Uh, I have watched a wee bit of TV. I watched, obviously, the latest episode of my beloved RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm. Uh, the last proper episode before the reunion and then the finale, which usually uh, RuPaul's Drag Race finale is a flamboyant kind of gay WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> whereas... Um, this year, though, it's being done, I don't know how it's going to work, but it's being done, like, virtually, so it's going to be a Zoom call, basically. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I also watched the two new episodes of Rick and Morty, since that's come back. Uh, both excellent, I thought. Uh, and it's a real shame, it's a real shame that because of... I mean, I don't want to, you know, say because of the fans, but there's just like a, a, a cynicism now about Rick and Morty that I, I feel like people just can't enjoy it anymore. I'm, I'm with you. Des- I'm totally with you. I am. Despite the objective creativity and, you know, brilliance on display, like those two new episodes were both great. And I was discussing with my brother, who's kind of too, too far gone on the other side of the fence. Like, what did you think of those episodes? Uh, I was like, they were great. Well, like, what more? What more can they do <laughs> for you to like it again? Like, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they were just the right side of not being too um, meme uh, worthy or or meme begging. I thought they were really, really clever, especially the first one. Uh, really, really clever, really funny, just great. When you great. say when you say the first one, we're talking. They had a big, big, long mid-season break there. So, so yeah, first new batch. Correct. Oh. Episode six, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I've saw everything up to the break, and I'm, I'm too behind. So I'm, I'm very reassured by your, by your critique of the new ones because I, I'm kind of with you uh, on the season up to this point. I thought, I thought it's been pretty, pretty excellent so far. There you go. Is that your what about yourself? Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I watched some Teddy this week. I start with something new that I haven't talked about on the show yet. I watched Gangs of London uh, because I got a month of Now TV free with a Just Eat order. So okay. I said, all right, I'll watch Gangs of London, <laughs> which is the, which is the um, Gareth Evans uh, project. Yeah. 
uh, co-created, mm-hmm. did some writing, and did direction on two episodes. So what this is, more so than any kind of comparison you might make to The Raid, which which is relevant, and I'll get to that in a second, this, this to me really feels like gangland Game of Thrones. Uh, they, they, are, they are going for that kind of... Um, power play politics kind of uh, vibe uh, even right down to the 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 robert baratheon type figure who gets off in the very first episode uh, much like he's off early on in season one uh so he so basically colin meany's character he plays the the patriarch of this crime family that's kind of overarching and keeping all the other crime families in in line they all kick up to him He's assassinated in the first episode, um, and that kicks off a, a series of events. There's a vacuum from power. His, you know, arrogant but slightly unhinged son tries to, to step up and take his place. You have, you know, his subordinates, the the Albanians, the the, the, um, the people like they have all all the hits are there. They've got all these different um, ethnicities and people from all these different countries uh, that make up the criminal underworld of, of London, kicking up to this one guy. And then once he's out of the picture, they all want to be the one. And then in the midst of all of this, you also have an undercover police officer who kind of occupies the more uh, traditional kind of protagonist role. So it's like Game of Thrones, but forget all that shit about pacing it out across eight seasons. No, we gotta get we gotta get to get, get to business, um, and it's it's paced more like a show I sung the praises of uh, last year, a little bit more like Banshee. It's a it's a go 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 kind of show. Um, first episode is ninety minutes. It was a bit slow. They were setting the table in that first episode, but basically every episode after that, it was wall to wall it's kicking off in every episode which is kind of exactly what i needed right now and uh the episodes that have that garth evans uh, uh stamp on them specifically episode five which he directed they are they are chef kiss garth evans garth evans made the raid three set in the welch valleys in episode five and it is mwah, mwah. it is it is one of the best hours of of action tv i, I i've seen in quite a while um, I, I, I'm giving this a huge, huge thumbs up. I think both you lads are like, I think Joey, I think, I, I think it's you, you, more your kind of cup of tea, but I think you both enjoy it. Um, it's, it's great. It's got great writing. It's got great action. Uh, it's it, like I said, the first episode, bit long. I wasn't hooked in episode one, but pretty much immediately after that point I was in. And I think this is the first time in quite a while that I've actually started and finished a, a, a series in one week. Um, so huge thumbs up on that. I would love if they did another season with, with the way they kind of wrap things up. I, it's one of those stories that doesn't necessarily need it. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, big old thumbs up on the, the gangs of London. Um, beyond that, I finally finished, uh, you season two, which kind of has the copy and paste Netflix, uh, original series thing which is that it's pretty good with some fun ideas and it's about four episodes too long um uh it peaked it peaked way too early and then just like the first season of you the ending i was kind of eh, eh, that's not that's not amazing um but it's good it's 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 for for a show that i thought didn't need a second season i thought it was it was all right it, it was pretty good um so there was that. And then uh, discussed last week how I wasn't feeling like jumping into season 10 of Simpsons. So I didn't bother. And I went back to season one, which I 
sort of realized as I was watching it, I was like, I don't think I've watched any of this since probably the last time I was regularly watching The Simpsons on Sky One. Um, so whenever the last time it just came up on their rotation of The Simpsons, uh, which probably would have been like 15 years ago. I haven't, I, I haven't sat down and right. watched The Simpsons on... Basically, you know, before The Simpsons properly ran me off and it was a bit shit, but I was still watching weekly. And then you know, during the week, Sky One would just have the old ones on rotation at 7 o'clock. And I, I, I was sitting down and I was watching. I was like, I remember most of this, but I... I don't remember this show feeling this way because I remembered season one of The Simpsons being, you know, a good season of TV, but it just it wasn't as funny as it would go on to be during the golden yeah. years. But I, but I will say, I watched season one. I just finished it last night. I thought it was a really, really, truly excellent season of TV. I, I was, I was blown away by it in a way completely different to to season five, six, seven. Um, uh, it's definitely different. It is definitely not a mile a minute with the jokes. Uh, the 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 structure of the jokes in season five, six, seven are so unbelievably hilarious and rapid fire. I don't think season one is a laugh out loud show, but it's it's. I just think it's a really fascinating show to go back and remember the origins of the Simpsons as this. Here's a challenge to the conventional idea of of the American Family sitcom. Um, and I think it's really heartfelt and sincere. It's very dour. It's not a very upbeat show in a lot of ways. There's like the one episode where they get lost in the forest. That's a bit of a laugh. And then the rest of them are straight away. You've got, you know, Homer losing his job. Homer like tries to kill himself in the first non-Christmas themed episode of the show. <laughs> um, you know, kind of dealing with, with Lisa's kind of, you know, prepubescent depression and it's it's and it's it's stuff that holds up i mean it's really 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 excellent the only thing that doesn't hold up about the show was that it all looks like it was drawn in about a half hour and it <laughs> and it's really not anything that i think has like actual like you know oh it's just like a different style it's like no it's bad and it kind of loops around to being so bad that it's funny but it's it's not a it, it's, a, it's a kind of an ugly looking show but I loved it. I, I I sincerely think it's it's having just watched the peak of the show. I, I would still prioritize those shows just because they are so much funnier. But I think it's I think it's right there uh, as as a really memorable and, and and stirring season of TV. I agree. Yeah. Should rewatch that. I, that first season is just like super as as you said heartfelt. Very charming, um, more serious, and I think each of those things it does better than the rest of the season, including kind of the peak. So it's just it's kind of just a different type of strength rather than a a weaker season. But it looks horrible, though. You're right. Um, I posted some some screenshots on. Uh, on Twitter, oh, Moe's bar just looks like shit, and it looks like a different, <laughs> it looks like a different kind of shit every time he, Homer goes there. Oh my god! And then there's like the the ha, like in the last episode or two, uh, the Simpsons have those um, what are those windows? What would you call those those windows on the front of their house? They're uh, they're like the, the ones that crop out from, from anyway. It's irrelevant. The point is, in the in in the in the first in the first half of the season, 
they, they just have regular windows and it almost seems like they just didn't have the time or facilities to draw like three-dimensional windows in the front of the house it's just it's just there are so many little things like you notice like that um uh, that are bizarre but anyway I, I love that and i'm 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 I started season two on my lunch break at work today. Uh, Bart gets an F again, just like genuinely poignant and and sweet. And I think I've seen that episode maybe twenty times already. And 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 at the end, and and again, I just I don't think I had the appreciation for it when I was you know thirteen. Um, uh, but like the the end of it, just really, you almost get a little bit choked up. It's so it's so well done. Same with the same with the ending of uh, of the episode when Marge is trying to get Lisa to to just kind of swallow her pride and just pretend to be happy, and then sort of realizes that that's not the way either. It's just, it's great. It's just great. Um, in in a way, I think it, although the comedy is better in the in you know like four seasons four five six is like the peak of the really intricate clever comedy. The first couple of seasons um, have this despite the kind of wonky you know animation have this more kind of seriousness to them. Like, they, they're they not as jokey, almost. Like, it is just, like, played played straight. And the yeah. jokes are kind of straight. And that's what makes it such a different show. And that, I think, why is equally as good, but just, yeah, like a very a very different show. Um, yeah, look forward to re-watching those. Um, and, yeah, that's my telly for this week. So, um, yeah. We will we jump in to uh we'll do video game guff here while we're all indoors looking at our screens. Uh, I tried something new this week, a game I had a little bit of buzz as a kind of a, a low-key kind of 2020 release. I played Cloud Punk. You heard anything about this one, Paul? No. This is a Steam game. I th- think it's coming to other systems as well so it's kind of like uh the, the premise of the game is that you are a courier um uh of, of you know illicit goods a kind of black market courier driving around the most on the nose blade runner um uh, sci-fi uh, cyberpunk world um imaginable and you're basically just kind of going to point A to point B, pick up the package, take it to um, uh, uh, the delivery point, and then repeat. And so it's a driving game, and you're playing in a hover car. So you're um, uh, the other thing it reminds me of is Coruscant in the in the Star Wars prequels, because your hover car, your right stick controls vertical up and down. So okay. you're you're driving around these skyscrapers, but you can kind of go up, you can go down. And I've only played about an hour and a half. The actual genre it's kind of like is actually like an adventure game because it's not like a racing game or a drive against the clock game. You're not under any pressure. You kind of just go around and it's more about kind of the ambient dialogue, your character talking to the the dispatch, your character talking to the AI in their car. Um, I've had one mission so far where it was like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this drop. Maybe I should dispose of this parcel elsewhere. And I had the choice. So it's it's kind of an adventure game, kind of masquerading as a driving game. Um, it's got a really, really pretty look. The, the character models are all kind of blocky, almost Minecraft-ish figures, but the camera's way pulled out. So you're, you're mostly just looking at wide shots of, of a beautiful Blade Runner-esque uh, landscape. Uh, so far, so good. Um, uh, the the controls and the driving, there, it, the 
hover car gimmick is fun, but it's also kind of shallow. So I'm hoping as as it goes on that the story starts picking up a bit of the slack because it does seem like that's what the actual draw of the game is. Uh, yeah, that's Cloudpunk. That's twenty quid on Steam. Uh, if anyone is curious. And I restarted GTA V on PC because it was free this week uh, oh, yeah. okay. on the old Epic gimmick. And as I anticipated when I was when I eventually downloaded it because they, they killed the Epic servers when they put it out there, uh, as I anticipated, I would boot it up and go, oh, this game still looks good when running on a high-end PC. Um, it looks really nice. Seeing a game that you've seen run kind of in a, in a choppy fashion on a console, seeing it run at 60 frames is very nice. And so I enjoyed that, and then I played it for a few hours, and I was like, yeah, I don't really like how this game controls, and I'll probably never touch it again, but it was free, so <laughs> so whatever. Um, <laughs> just like, like you know, the, the, the jump, because I, I mentioned here I was playing San Andreas a few weeks ago, just the jump between those two games in terms of how long it takes your guy to pick himself up off the ground if he falls and get into a car or get on a bike... The, the, just these newer Rockstar games just they feel so sluggish and bogged down in, in quote-unquote realistic animation. Um, but I, I, I might still tip away at it because uh, much as we've talked about with, with movies, I'm kind of into playing old stuff at the moment. I think it's, my, my com- it's a comfort thing of just playing games that I kind of already know. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, so I think I might just stick with it because, you know, I, I, you know GTA Five is still good. You know, I like that world. I like that story. So uh, I might I might pluck away at that for a few weeks. But um, yeah, that's it. Very very quiet week in the old gaming front for me. Uh, well, I completed Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, really? Uh, I yeah, I'd say it probably took me about eight hours. All in all. Um, I'm kind of mixed on it. I, because unfortunately, it was a game I was really looking forward to for a very, very long time. It um, peaks in the middle. Um, I don't know if that picked up. If I had an issue with my mic there, but it seemed to not be picking up what I was saying. Uh, yeah, Kentucky Road Zero. So yeah, you, you dropped. You dropped. It's a, uh, a game that peaks in the. Yeah, peaks in the middle. Um, so the first two acts are, are, are a little bit slow, but very intriguing because you're you're interested in finding out what's going on. Like Kentucky Route Zero, for those who don't know, is like this point and click uh, adventure, basically, right? Um, so you don't know what's going on. You're trying to kind of figure it out. So you're intrigued, even though it's slow. You're intrigued in kind of getting all the lore and finding out finding out what's happening and so on. Uh, the third act, then, by far the best one, has the best parts of the game in it. One that I said I like him to get out uh, last week. And then acts four and five are kind of as slow as the first two, but with the intrigue kind of starting to wane as oh. you... <laughs> I'm not going to spo- spoil anything specific, but as you ultimately start to realize that the game isn't really going anywhere specific to to any kind of big revelation outside of kind of you know very subtle thematic things there's there's not kind of ultimately a big reveal as to or or even not even a reveal but kind of a, a climax to the the journey it just kind of um gets there and act five i was very underwhelmed with uh given that that was the the one that was kind of 
being packaged like the one that everyone was waiting for, the one that was being packaged as as the TV version, the the, the complete uh, story. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I would recommend it insofar as I think Act Three is that strong. But I would kind of once I get through Act Three, I would kind of try and get four and five done as soon as possible. <laughs> not that they're not that they're bad or, or horrible or anything, but um I just I just found them a bit of a slog mm. because the the intrigue, like I said, had started to wane for me and I just I was just kind of done with it by that stage. And and as the game had peaked already, you know, create creatively speaking, the game had peaked already. So I was kind of also in the mindset of okay, is anything is anything going to be as good as what I just played? And you know, the answer turned out to be no, unfortunately. Mm. But um, I got it very cheap. Like, I think I got it because I had um, switch gold points, or whatever. I think I got it for like twelve euro or something. Yeah. And for that, you know, it, it is it is good. I wish there was a little a little bit less text in it because sometimes the 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 text just goes on and on and on. And, you know, sometimes it's like a, a compelling character is telling you their story, and that I can just sit and read and, and get um, invested in and kind of lose myself in. And then sometimes it's just shite that you don't care about. You just want to get this fucking game finished. And this person is talking to you endlessly. Um, but it's it's a short game. Like I said, eight hours I think it took me to beat. Um, so it's not like a fucking Persona 5-esque 90-hour slog or whatever. You know, it's a, it's a short game. I wish it were a little bit tighter. I wish the story went ultimately in a bit more of an interesting direction. But there's some really fantastic stuff in there. I just wish that stuff was closer to the end of the story rather than the middle of it. Okay. Um, I would I would kind of be in the range for me like a high seven, low eight on the IGN scale, which you know on a normal person scale is maybe a seven. Okay. Um, so with that done, I have started Breath of the Wild from the beginning again. Um, that's a, that's quite the gargantuan. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, look, I I beat those other four Zeldas. I figure I might as well do the big one, given that a sequel is coming, and given that I never beat that DLC that came out. So yeah. when I beat the when I beat the game which I've already beaten, there's gonna be a little nugget of new content for me at the end, so I'm looking forward to that. Um I'm about ten hours into it. Okay. I've beaten the first Divine Beast. I, the, yeah, I assume your one beast in was my was my guess. The 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 elephant one. Mm. Um, and I'm just on my way to Rito Village or whatever it's called. I just arrived in Rito Village actually because Rivali's Gale is like by far the most useful power in the game. So I'm like, just fucking give me that right away. Um, so I'm gonna do a little thing here, rather than gush praise on the game, which it you know obviously deserves. I'm going to give you my critiques and my little nitpicks that, of things I don't like about the game. <laughs> There's been enough good things said about that game, so. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's a stone, for me it's a stone cold 10 out of 10, one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, no, it's great. Having played the other Zeldas in such close proximity, I think the combat in Breath of the Wild is a bit boring. 
Um, like Twilight Princess specifically, which I had like my number one of those other four Zelda games, has like special moves you can learn during the game that encourage you to like do different button combinations based on different enemies, right? So let's say there's a, a, a Dark Knot, which is like a basically a big buff uh, armored guard that you have to beat, right? You have to like parry with your shield, like not only parry, but do like a, a shield attack, which is like forward and right trigger, let's say, right? And then once you've stunned the enemy with that, you have to do a quick side and A to do like a rolling spin and then time your strike precisely to like cut the armor off at the back, you know? And that's the, there's different, like, that's not the only way you can beat it, but there's like techniques you can use and learn like that, which are completely optional in the game. You never have to learn them, but in learning them, the combat becomes more intricate, more satisfying as you get good at it, and more um, more kind of diverse, you know? Breath of the Wild has, like, the Y button is to swing your sword, and then you have, like, the jump button to jump away yeah. and evade. Yeah. And it's like, ah, when I, when I first started playing, I was like, this feels so dumbed down and so basic compared to those other games um and that's a shame that's something that i i hope that they kind of introduce more in the the sequel um also the controls by the way are nonsensical (laughs) in terms of like the button layout so i played three of three of the four games i played i played on the wii u which aside from being a, an unwieldy block, has essentially the same button layout as the Switch. And it's always been, in all the Zelda games, B is for your sword, A is your action button, and then in this one, B is like the cancel button and nothing else. And Y is, to, is for your sword, which has never been the case. So I'm getting attacked by enemies, and I'm hammering B... Because my muscle memory, having <laughs> having played fifty hours of Zelda games in the last two months, mm. is that's my sword button. And then this game, arbitrarily, it isn't the sword button. And then the X button is to jump. And now, I, in the last couple of years, how many hours of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and and games of that ilk, like your X button on the PlayStation is always jump, right? And then on the Switch, Breath of the Wild's jump button is like the equivalent of the triangle button. It's like, ah, my, my brain is not just mapped for these kind of archaic controls. Now, there are options in the game to, like, swap the triangle and X buttons, but that doesn't fix the sword problem, and that only moves your, like, cancel button itself to a, a place where it oughtn't to be. So, to me, that's not, like, a solution for it. Um, also, the the game is like open world and is kind of known for and was marketed as like you can literally go anywhere and do it whatever order you want and yeah. uh, but actually the game not even kind of subtly nudges you in a specific direction but makes it difficult for you to go in a direction other than the direction they want you to go in mm. um so i went into, i went into this with the expectation of well, I'm going to play it a different way because that's going to feel like a new experience for me. And after multiple deaths, 
multiple cliffs that I can't climb up yet because I don't have enough stamina, etc., yeah. etc., et I was ultimately pushed into the same direction I beat the game the first time because the game doesn't really let you go other places until you've progressed a certain amount through the game and have got enough hearts and enough stamina bars or whatever they're called for you to reach certain parts. I think I think it hangs its hat quite a lot on the fact that you can technically just face Ganon straight away, which is a thing that realistically is only ever going to be done by speedrunning freaks. <laughs> yes. Um, now, all that being said, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I'm 10 hours in. Yeah, of course. It's absolutely beautiful for a Switch game. Oh my god, it looks so good. Um, I think also to criticize, and it's something, something that's only become apparent to me in my replay, is that the side quests are completely arbitrary and unnecessary for you to complete because in previous Zelda games, the side quests were there for you to complete, optionally, of course, but doing so would benefit you in a long-term way. So you would do the side quests and you would get pieces of heart you would get items that, although optional, will make other parts of the game easier or uh, give you another way to, to complete puzzles, etc., etc., right? The side quests in Breath of the Wild, only do you ever receive, like, rupees or f- fucking a sapphire, like stuff that is really only a short-term benefit. To the point now that in my replay, I'm going to because I've beaten them already, so for completionist's sake, I don't have to do it. But I'm going to completely forego all the side quests, because I don't need to do them. There's no benefit to me as a player to go and collect fucking 100 mushrooms or whatever. Oh, thanks, here's 50 rupees that you don't need, and that don't benefit you in the long term, when in 10 hours you would have forgotten that you had those 50 rupees in the first place. Um, Now, of course, there are quests that are like shrine quests or whatever, and those ones I will do because I, I do want to complete all the shrines. But that's basically all I'm going to do, is complete all the shrines, complete the Divine Beast, speak Ganon, and then go into the DLC. So it's not, unlike the other ones, this is not going to be 100% fucking playthrough. I'm not getting those 900 Koroks. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, and then finally, to get Joe back in the conversation here, Football Manager 20. Joe... Something weird happened to me in my football manager game. So I have... Okay, so listen here. I got a real smart strategy, right? Oh. I got a real smart strategy is I very rarely use a lot of my transfer budget, right? right? I sign young players for cheap. Yeah. And then I build them up to like five star players. And so what happens is, because I have this young team of, like, three and a half to five star, like, 23, 24-year-olds, who I signed when they were, like, 17, 18, I rarely use up my transfer budget. And so what I do is I move all that to my wage budget, basically. Yeah, right. Because as you keep these players, uh, they need need new contracts, and (laughs) because they're five-star players, hey, they don't come cheap, huh? Uh, so my wage budget, or my wage bill, uh, was like eight and a half million, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the the it came to like the summer transfer window, or whatever. And then I got an email that was like, uh, "Your wage budget is being cut by two million a week." <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, I, that's like a quarter of my wage budget. So now. I found myself in a situation where I was like 2.5 million over on my wage budget, no transfer budget. And so I'm scrambling furiously now to sell players. Um, And so what I've done is I sold, it pained me. I had to sell some of my real good players. Some of the older lads, because I'm in like my eighth season now, some of the older lads can't fucking shift them and they're on 400,000 a week. I've got Aaron Wambasaka on four hundred grand a week. <laughs> no, one, no one fucking buying him, and no one wants to, no, one can, no one can buy them because they can't afford them. And so I had to sell a lot of my good players, all my midfield basically. I, I wanted to hang on to some of the 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 better, still young uh, attacking players because you know sometimes if you have a good attack that can kind of carry you so far. My midfield was basically gutted. My defense a little bit as well. Uh, I'm still at a point where I'm still under. I'm like two hundred thousand in the red on my wage budget. Zero transfer budget. Can't buy any players. So this summer I couldn't buy anyone. I had the same teams I had last season. Um, uh, my my most expensive wage. This is pretty bad. Is uh, earning Haaland. Yeah. Right. I think I have him on six hundred and fifty thousand a week. <laughs> I think he was, um, yeah, he's like 10% my budget or something alone. But no one can buy him. I'm stuck with him now, even though he scores a lot of goals. And then, of course, the moment I get stuck with him, he's fucking stopped scoring goals, and he's useless to me now. And I have this player on, ah, who would be a football manager? Not me. How are you getting on with yours, anyway? Uh, Well, I got to... um... Season thirteen, uh, okay, year, year thirteen, uh, and I was offered the job of England manager. Oh, quite prestigious. Um, although saying that the the previous Eng- England manager was I don't I can't even know, remember his name. It was something like Chris Wilder or something, and his pr- previous role was as the manager of Preston North End about four years before he became England manager. So to be honest, okay. like the standards are that high. <laughs> yeah, English managers. Um, so yes, yeah, this was after the 2032 uh, European Championship. He, right. they England got knocked out in the quarterfinals by Ireland, uh, which is obviously the ultimate embarrassment. <laughs> Shame! <laughs> so he got fired and they offered me the job. So I accepted. But what happened is, what I didn't realize, realize is you can actually manage the national team and the club team at the same time. Yeah. So I carried mm-hmm. on managing Man United for another year. Um, but I've just resigned as United manager oh. after 14 years. Because I thought, you know, we had a good run. Um, you know, won the, won the league, had won the European Cup, won a few few cups along the way. Built a, built a decent little team. I've been playing a kind of variation of, of Gagan Press, which was serving me very well. So it was kind of a Gagan Press, but, but um, with a lot of width rather than a narrow Gagan Press, which is what the default. Okay. So kind of a halfway, sort of a mix of Gagan Press and wing play. So a bit more direct, a bit more width, 
but very high intensity, very high pressing. So the only problem is obviously your players get very, very tired. So you have to rotate a lot. Uh, it does did get a lot of injuries. Um, it did prove quite effective. Uh, just need you need kind of very physical players. So you know, I look, I get players who have got high high pace, high stamina, high acceleration, um, and they they can do the job. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what happens with England over the next over a couple of tournaments. After that, I'm not sure what I'll do. I might maybe I'll go back into club management, go for like a smaller team, non non league, yeah. or maybe I'll just start a new game. That would be a hell, of a, a hell of a change. Manchester United, England manager, non-league. <laughs> I know, but I'm kind of intrigued to kind of keep seeing what happens in this world. Uh, yeah. The problem is when you go back and start a new one, it kind of resets to the real real life, whereas you kind of built your own universe and want to sort of continue to, to, to grow it and see how it progresses. Mm-hmm. See, But it's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Been a wild ride. Fucking Jurgen Klopp was. I think he's actually left now. But he was. Um, yeah, he was going for about at least ten years at Liverpool. Very right. Uh, Stephen Gerrard is now manager of Arsenal. So, um, okay. Good move for him. Pep was fired by Man City. Went to a few other places. Came back to Man City, but he's not won anything since uh, the 2018-2019 season. So uh, he's been successful. Whereas Jose Mourinho actually has kind of came back to prominence. He was at Roma, won the league, um, did a few other clubs. So I mean, it's interesting. Interesting to see their different fortunes. So yeah, bit of the old footy manager. Well past three hundred hours now. But, but, Very yeah, nice. Good value for Very nice. Absolutely. And that's the uh, the game golf for the week. What about movie golf, Paul? You alluded to it earlier. Take us through. I, I want blow by blow both these Lord of the Rings extended cuts uh, uh, <laughs> broken down for us here. Well, I know that Joe is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I actually, Barry, I don't know your opinion of Lord of the Rings. I assume you're. Kind of, I'm more ambivalent about it. Uh, I'm leaning more towards the, the thinking it's it's overwrought and a bit shit. But I uh, <laughs> I also haven't watched them in a very long time. I remember being very conflicted as a kid because they were the hot thing and the action scenes were very cool. But I don't have the best attention span now. I really didn't have the patience for those movies as a kid. Yeah, I might, I might. One of at least one of them is on Amazon. I should probably try and sit down. My girlfriend fucking loves them as well. I should probably try and sit down and watch one in the near future. Okay, um, I'm gonna condense them into one review here because I don't want to talk about Lord of the Rings for too much, like I already did about Zelda and Football Manager. Um, I think you are right, Barry, in that they are in, in the dialogue and the performances. It, it, they're they're very overwrought and a bit shite. I cannot argue with you there. Mm-hmm. However, in terms of like filmmaking and in terms of the craft of set design and costume design and all that goes into putting what ends up in front of the camera together, mm. it's like all-time best. It's unbelievably good and holds up to, to today unbelievably well 
So to, to put into perspective, right? So Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, which came out in 2001, had a budget of 95 million, right? Jump change dollars, these days. Godzilla, which came out in 1998, so three years only before, had a budget of 125 million. Jeez. Compare the visual effects in those two movies, please. <laughs> uh, the the visual effects in in um, Lord of the Rings is incredible. Now, Gollum obviously is uh, sometimes is a good, sometimes is a shit. The lighting, the lighting effects, and stuff like that. Sometimes Gollum can look a, a little bit ropey, but again, this was three years after Godzilla came out, which looks like a PlayStation One game. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> is it kind of, and outside of the like CGI, some of the visual effects, like when they have two characters in the same room and they're doing like Ian McKellen's real big and Ian Holm is real small, it's like seamless. It's like seamlessly done, and it's incredibly done. Uh, just out of curiosity, have, have, so you're watching this on Blu-ray, correct? That is correct. So I know the extended versions, I mean, they were basically released straight away after the film came out. Like, when it came out in DVD, it was extended. Have they done work yeah. to it with each kind of home release iteration? Is Because, like, Star Wars, every time they put out a new fucking box set with all the films, there's a change to the original ones. You know, the, the VHS, the DVD, the Blu-ray, yeah. they're all worked on. So it sounds like that's not the case with the Blu-ray? I'm, I'm not aware of any changes okay. of that. Because you would imagine, and they could probably flog quite a few Blu-rays if they did. If they said, look, we've, Gollum looks less shit in hour three of this movie. Um, yeah. you know, if they touched up, cause, and I'm sure you know, they'd have the, they, they could do that. Um, uh, I'm sure they'd be able. Yeah. Um, so I, the, I haven't watched the three of them, obviously. I haven't watched Return of the King yet, which is the longest one. Yeah. But on the two that I watched, um, I prefer the first. I prefer Fellowship of the Ring because I think it's it's a, a more kind of focused story. It has a clear beginning, middle, and end of the first part. Let's say because I think Fellowship of the Ring ends with like the group being split up and divided, whereas the second one is a bit a bit messier in terms of you have some characters over here, some over here, some over here, some characters that have an interesting story, some characters that are the, the Daenerys Targaryen of the Lord of the Rings, where every fucking time goes over there, you're like, oh, Jesus, more of this fucking shite. <laughs> um, and speaking of Game of Thrones, like, <laughs> watching Lord of the Rings again in a post-Game of Thrones world, it's surprising how much Game of Thrones literally did, like, a select-all, copy, yeah. paste like eventually especially like there are some scenes especially with like the rohan stuff where it is literally game of thrones just looked at their homework and scrabbled it down for themselves just fi find and replace elf with titties <laughs> so suddenly she summoned titties yeah um it's actually it is reminiscent of game of thrones in, in many ways and obviously game of thrones the, the books, uh, whatever it's called, uh, was very inspired by Lord of the Rings, and it's it's obvious watching it back. It's it's very very obvious to the point that, and I'm not questioning uh, anybody's opinion because God knows I like to raid one and I don't like to raid two, but I don't I I really don't get how you can like 
really like Game of Thrones and really dislike Lord of the Rings when they are essentially the same thing. Oh, for fuck! <laughs> Don't talk shit all your life. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is just orcs and norks and fucking <laughs> goblins shitting out rings and whatever. <laughs> Game of Thrones is nothing. It's just because it's got a, a fucking dragon in it or whatever. <laughs> How is it the same? Uh, I mean, uh, to, to, to Joe in, in uh, to speak to Joe's side here, like those first three seasons of Game of Thrones, i.e., when it was good. It's I because I, I I think I was the last person on this podcast to watch, and I think I said on here I was like I keep forgetting this is a fantasy gimmick because they don't bother with it for like most of the good scenes, yeah. right? You know, yeah, yeah. it's fair. I I when I was watching these movies, I was literally like checklisting in my head: Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. That's like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Were you watching Game of Thrones? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wait. Those are tits. Hang on. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, performance-wise, it's a, it's a bit um, a bit of a mixed bag. I, I, I pretty much don't like any of the hobbits in it. They're all bad. Um, sexy Viggo Mortensen is very sexy in it. Uh, he is. Um... I was watching with Natty, and she went, ooh, and I went, don't ooh. I, mm. I got very annoyed about it. And I was like, well, you know what? Objectively, he is very sexy. I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> ooh, who else bad in it? Orlando nice. Bloom's not very good. I do like uh, Gimli. Is it Jonathan Reese Myers? Or who's the one who I keep mixing up with him? No, He's the one sexy one, is he? Jonathan Reese Myers. Who's the one who plays Gimli? There's two actors who are very similar Welchy names, and I, I oh, no, constantly mix them. Uh, John Reese davies is yeah, Gimli. Yeah, yeah. It's the Reese bit that gets me. Um, he's great, and he does the bit where he says, On my axe! Which is my favourite bit of the entire movies, and I've always had in my head to make a Botchamania clip, and I never did it, to send it in. Because I used to do the On my axe bit, a load of Botchamania, and I wanted to do the bit where Kurt Angle had an axe on impact that one time, and I never did it. Um, but anyway, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and Two Towers—they're very good. Um, the big battle bit at the end of Two Towers is a little too jokey and heroy, but it's like super well done again. Like and it, by two thousand one standards, it looks incredible today. Uh, the only shame is that it inspired a load of those like mid two thousands movies where every movie had a battle scene suddenly, yeah, and they're all extre- they're all extremely boring. Yeah. Um, and then instead of Return of the King, I watched Lilo and Stitch, which I had never seen before, yeah. on Disney Plus. Hmm. Uh, I really liked it. That was really good. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a I don't know because it's one of those ones. Uh, to, around that time where Disney were making a lot of B-level or even C-level films. And so I never really had the push to go watch it. And then Natty was saying it's really good. It was on Disney+. Plus. I said, all right, we'll stick it on. And it was lovely. And it had a lot of stuff in it that was relevant to me and that I could kind of relate to insofar as like foster care and 
Um, the whole Stitch thing is very reminiscent of what we're doing now with like fostering dogs and rescue dogs and stuff like that. Hmm. So yeah, I got a lot out of it. I thought it was really, really sweet, really, uh, really um, like somber at parts and. Yeah, I thought it was definitely like a class above where I expected it, it. It kind of would be. There's one scene in it which is interesting because they they like completely redid the scene post nine eleven. I think this film came out pretty pretty soon after nine eleven, where they had originally like commandeered an airplane and drove it through like downtown Honolulu, which uh, I think you can find on YouTube still the majority of that footage, but they replaced it with like. Uh, a spaceship and the mountains of Hawaii instead. It's like understandably changed, but um, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I thought you were still talking about Lord of the Rings. Then you got to hijacked an aeroplane. I was like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. It does have two towers in it, though. Yeah. Um, it was very good. Um, I've watched a movie. Um, I watched Brightburn, um, which is a movie uh, basically on the premise of what if Superman was evil. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, in comic books is not a particularly sort of novel concept. That's been sort of knocking around for many years, the kind of, you know, alternate universe Superman is a bad guy or superheroes evil. But this, I think, it's the mm-hmm. first kind of movie to really tread that that path, and it, it does stick very closely to the Superman origin story. I mean, it, it, I'm surprised they kind of got away with it to a degree. Yeah, it, it, like the parents are identical, the kind of small town setting, um, the you know crash landing on Earth, and even kind of kryptonite comes into a little bit. But I thought it was a very uh, interesting and kind of well set up concept. I think the actual movie itself didn't deliver that strongly. Mm. Um, there's a lack of kind of tension in it because essentially you find, you know, this, this young boy it's, it starts to develop supernatural powers. Um, once he kind of comes of age and, and it's a bit of a mix between Superman and something like Carrie or the Omen. Yeah. Um, so he uses his power for, for bad, but it never really kind of goes anywhere with it. And there's no real, there's no one to really root for in the in the movie because he's the central character, but there's no kind of hero um, to, to kind of you know fight against him. Uh, you almost kind of needed like a a heroic version of the typical supervillain. <laughs> you know, what if Lex Luthor was actually good, something like that, but. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it for what it was and some pretty, you know, interesting kind of gruesome scenes, but overall didn't really do enough kind of interesting with, with the premise. So I'll probably go kind of thumb, thumbs in the middle, kind of check it out if, if you're interested, but not not an essential watch. Uh, that's, that's Brightburn. I think they came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked it. It, di- it did come off like, it almost came off like something that had the Superman license at one point and then lost it in a legal battle along the way or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with much of that. I thought it was, a lot of it was very interesting. Um, I, I don't think it stuck. I thought, the, I thought the ending was pretty disappointing. Um, uh, they have that song that plays at the end. They have that, that montage during the credits, which every, every aspect of that feels completely out of whack with what the rest of the film is. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was that was pretty interesting idea. Um, I think that was 
that was James Gunn's first project while he was briefly in exile. Yeah, um, he was, yeah, he was involved in that. Uh, he was a producer or something. Yeah, very, that, yeah. that very small window uh, before he came back to. He's now back in the good books of Marvel. But anyway, yeah. uh, we'll jump ahead here to the wrestling golf. A couple little uh, tidbits here and there um, on the on the wrestling front. Who who watched the Undertaker thing? I have not watched either part of the Last Ride documentary. Uh, I've watched both parts of it. Okay. Um, I found it pretty, pretty compelling. Um, especially the 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 first one. Um, insofar as he's he's this broken down old Texan who can't go anymore, and he has this match for own reigns. He doesn't like it. He's not happy with it. He's watching the back, like grimacing, watching the back. Yeah, well, she um, is. Yeah, <laughs> and they 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 explicitly say like that was supposed to be the last match, and that he he ret- he retired after. And one of one of my favorite bits of the whole documentary so far is he comes back down through the ramp uh, after the match, and who's there to to meet him? Big muscly Triceratops physique, Triple H in his little underoos. Give him a big hug because Triple H knows on the dock he he has to be there front and center. Yeah, his, little, his little Scott Steiner panties from two thousand three. <laughs> <laughs> He's like bronze to be on belief. Um, and then the second episode is kind of more about his his redemption. Right, he he gets the hip done. He's feeling better. He's training with a uh, Primo Cologne. What a what? what name coming out of nowhere there? Um, yeah, it's, it's reminiscent of that Edge documentary where he's training with um, Dash Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's Primo. I don't know. Anyway, and they have like the the footage of him training, and to be honest, he's hitting the ropes well. He's taking bumps. He looks good, right? And he's saying, "I feel I feel as good as I did when I had that first match with Sean, like physically." Jeez. And so he turns up for WrestleMania. He says, I'm ready to go for a, a 30-minute match or whatever. And they have him do his five-minute squash of John Cena. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that whole fucking year. And he's all annoyed about it. And you can tell that he's, like, backstage smiling with people. and But, like, little lines like, well, you know, uh, tra- train for 30 to give me five. And you can tell that he's, like, extremely pissed off about it. Um, but it's just fun to see the kind of inner workings of, like, how how a decision like that gets made where suddenly he you know Undertaker goes through fucking hell basically to get ready for this match and then the, ultimately what the match turns out to be you know I could do it on a day's notice how could you know, you know? <laughs> um, he didn't take like a single bump in the match he just did did his moves did his big choke slam and off he went and um, and then he's asked you know you know, is that it? And he saying, well, no. And you can tell that, no, he he's not satisfied with that to be his last match. So it seems like the story of this documentary is he has in his head that he wants his last match to be of a certain level, that he's physically unable to, perf- to perform at that level anymore. And so it's just kind of this vicious annual cycle of 
he'll never ultimately be satisfied with with what he can do. Um, <laughs> just a bit. I, I'm expecting the next few episodes to be even kind of more, uh, sad, like sadder and and uh, more disappointing because you know we have what what's teased as the next episode, which I can't wait for next Sunday to sit down and watch. Is that like DX versus Kane and Undertaker match from Saudi Arabia? That was just the worst. <laughs> Where they Irish whipped each other into the ring apron, Triple H and Undertaker, and the match just fell apart. And this clips about Triple H going, it was a disaster. And then you have Undertaker Goldberg to come, which I can't wait to see that. And then he wasn't even on WrestleMania 35. He only showed up the next night to give Elias a choke slam or whatever. And then... I mean, that was basically it, right? Until the Boneyard match this year. So. It's good. I'm enjoying it so far. It's a good, good little doc. Um, I still I still have the WWE Network, so I figured, why not, uh, why not uh, give it a watch? And yeah, it's enjoyable. It's all right. Uh, this, there was, here's a, a stupid story that's dumb. <laughs> um, Caleb Connolly and some other guy I can't remember who he is uh, is like threatening legal action against um, whatever the two stupid names of the Revival guys are now um, over the use of the name Revolt as a tag team name um, uh, so apparently that, that, that there is a possible legal dispute happening there. I saw some people speculating it might be a work. If it is, it's the stupidest work of all time. Because it, uh, the revolt is a bad name. Am I wrong in thinking that? Uh, you're not wrong. It's okay. I was hoping they were going to be the mechanics. Um, which was their right. original name. It's not bad. How about just a different name altogether? Mm. Not something that references the WWE stuff. True. Also, the two the two names they picked as individuals do not inspire much hope um, uh, in, in their branding. I mean, I barely remember their actual names, let alone the, these new ones. What is it? Well, that's true. Um, Zach, Zach Dawson and Flash Flaw Flaw or something. And Baxter, yeah. Flash Big Billy Bob Baxter. Uh, so I thought that was just an amusing story. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll watch that story as it develops, uh, especially as the as the former revival now the alleged revolt uh, as their presumed AEW debut looms. Speaking of AEW, Dynamite was all right this week. I thought I enjoyed it. Um, we got. How impotent was the little Cody truck angle? <laughs> oh my god, what was the point of that? That's hilarious. Rev, 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 brum. Oh no, he's knocked over a oh, well, conveniently placed chair. <laughs> Cody going, we're just going to take you to a foster home. to the Flanders. Why did he like they are like it could not be more transparent that they thought this was Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Steve Austin fully drove a car from the parking lot into the building and ran all kinds of shit over. Cody must have traveled about four feet in this car. <laughs> Why didn't they just have him driving at the beginning? Why did he go from a stop start crash? 
Especially because it looked like there was loads of space behind him. Like, it's not like he was wedged in. Like, just come careening along like a madman. That's how you do pro wrestling, buddy. They have a whole empty stadium for him to drive around in. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they didn't want to push their luck with health and safety, given the current uh, situation. Um, but uh, this was taped as well. I almost would have just scrapped this and just not, not shown it, because it looked stupid. Just cut the bit where he's sitting there in the car. <laughs> and uh, he came out in his vehicle furious because um, insanely creepy old Jake Roberts was like, that woman is just for cleaning my balls. <laughs> he did this like really generic, uh, woman doesn't belong in the ring, she belongs in the kitchen and keeping me warm. But because he's Jake Roberts and he's like 100 years old, it was like the creepiest sounding... Uh, heavy breathing, uh, teeth sucking, you know, just. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm wondering if Jake's going to take a bump at any point, uh, given his physical condition. Like, is, is Cody going to take a bump? I not. He's been to rehab, has he? Oh! Hello! <laughs> anyway, uh, rest of the show. I thought the women's four way was all right. I like that. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, they they last week they had a women's division video package. This week they had a tag division video package. I like those all a lot. Um, they made. I, I think it's a pretty interesting match. So they're doing Nyla versus Sheeta at the pay per view. And it's interesting because I, I, because she hasn't been on TV, Nyla hasn't had a lot of defenses. Um, and I, I sort of feel like she should win, but but Sheeta has been like number one contender for what feels like six months. Um, yeah. And I, so I, I think they they've done a good job to build her up so much so that now it would kind of feel weird if she lost. Um, but uh, they are going to have a no DQ mm. match at the pay per view, and that that sounds pretty good to me. Hello. Yeah. So I, I think I think sure. I cut out there. Anyway. You, you did. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere on the show, anything else happened on this show? I, I, I oh, we got the pineapple Pete match. He's fun. He's a fun guy. Yeah. Um, he kind of reminded me of Kofi Kingston, but not boring. So I, I quite liked him. Um, I see. Oh, I left the thing. But, but Jericho pulled him quickly. It was good as well because uh, just to get out. But I like the beat. Yeah, the beat down of the drawing was was pretty fun. Um, I just wish I'd spray painted it with a very small um, spray can, just sprayed IC on it or something. Yeah, it's the first. I haven't watched Dynamite for a few weeks just because I was kind of not into the whole empty arena thing. Um, but I really enjoyed the look of this one. The kind of outside. Out, wrestling outside is always better. Wrestling should always be outside. Fuck inside. Take it outside. It always looks better. Uh, and the crowd noise was, was really good. So I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, the, the pay-per-view. Yeah. They had, they had, they've had people at ringside for a little while, but now it looks like they put like extra 
I guess their staff, I would assume. They've yeah. dotted them kind of around the the couple of first couple of rows of seats. So there's a little bit more of a dispersed crowd sound. It's it's good, it works. It it, it takes the sting out of the emptiness. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, the pay per view looks alright. So they're doing they're doing what sounds like basically the 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 street fight from last week. They they're gonna blow it up and basically do a, a full elite versus inner circle empty stadium brawl that's going to happen. It sounds like yep. in the actual football uh, stadium. Yes. So um, that should be that should be fun. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, so do, do we want to run through the card quickly? It is this uh, Saturday, isn't it? No, oh, it is. Next. It's next. No, no, no. Oh. It's next. Yeah. No, no, it's no. It's, it's, it's yeah, this Saturday. Oh, no, sorry, you're right. You are. Sorry, I forgot what weekend, but you are absolutely correct. Yeah, this, maniac. This Wednesday is the the go home show. You're right. My apologies. Um, uh, so yeah, they've got uh, the main. Well, I don't know what the main events is going to be because they're doing John Moxley versus Luke Harper or Brody Lee. That's not. That's not a main event. I don't think it doesn't feel like a main event. No, I think the stadium will be the the main event. Yeah, so they're they're doing that. It, sh- it might be all right. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I like Brody Lee a lot, but we'll we'll see how that one does. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing the yeah. So Inner Circle versus Elite in the Stadium Stampede. They haven't really confirmed the rules yet. They also haven't confirmed. I I would imagine this week's Dynamite is going to center around who's in that match, because uh, we haven't had the return of Hangman or the Bucks yet. So, yeah, yeah. So we shall see. We have the another possible main event. I think it's more than the, the world title. This is more interesting. Is the uh, Lance Archer versus Cody TNT Championship match. Um, so that should be good. Yeah, with Mike Tyson, uh, all people. Yes. Yeah, that was a that was a surprise. So so Tyson has apparently been posting videos teasing a comeback of sorts online. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what capacity he will be with AEW going forward. But yeah, he's presenting the title on Saturday. Maybe he's going to wrestle. That'd be funny. Oh, imagine. Imagine if he was going to wrestle and it was going to be an AEW of all. People. Imagine Mike Tyson versus Cody Rhodes. That's what we need to see. Oh God Almighty! Um. So yeah, that would be interesting. They're doing an Aaron Anderson Jake the Snake confrontation this week, which should be interesting. <laughs> Once they finished watching NXT, presumably, um, <laughs> they're going to have a debate. Oh, about, about who, who's better, Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa? Once they've uh, lowered the age demographic for NXT by several years, they'll uh, <laughs> wake them up from their naps and they can come out and do some progress. <laughs> Uh, we got Jungle Boy versus MJF. That seems a bit thrown together. That's a um, yeah. That's well, that, just, is, think, that is the right level for MJF, though. I think. Yeah, I'm not a not a not a big MJF guy. Yeah. Um, on the pre-show, they've got Private Party versus best, best friends. Best friends, that's it. Uh, yeah, best friends are, are top ranked, so this is a, a number one contender match. And then uh, on the main show again, sorry, I missed this out. In the, on, on the main show, they've got their casino ladder match, mm. which 
is going to be Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus. Uh, there was someone else, and I've forgotten who it is. Uh, they they are now teasing on Twitter. They are teasing a mystery man. Uh, Maybe that's Tyson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems like a lot of the the undercard fellas are going to be in the match. And basically, yeah. the way it's going to work is staggered entries like a rumble, uh, but it's a ladder match instead of a battle royale. And they said on the TV show that uh, the match can be won immediately by the first two people. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, it's a. It seems a bit. It seems like they've kind of re- they've needlessly reinvented the wheel, but it might be all right. Um, yeah. I'm not crazy about the money in, money in the bank kind of concept, but eh, sure it'll be good. Yeah. yeah, I hope they I hope they do like Lucha Underground, and they're like, okay, but you you don't get to cash this in, quote unquote, whenever you want. This is a this is yeah. a, de- declare it ahead of time, and you can have a title match. I hope I hope that's the gimmick. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's the show as it looks at the moment. Another potential uh, entrant for the mystery man. Forgot to mention this. Just just broke uh, yesterday. Uh, Drew Gulak released by WWE. Um, this was in the midst of uh, like basically his most notable push uh, since he went there for the Cruiserweight Classic in 2016. He was on TV as the partner slash friendly rival of Daniel Bryan. Um, uh, and it seems that they entered a phase of contract renegotiation. He wanted more money. They said no, and he was sent on his merry way, uh, right in the midst of a TV push. So, uh, very, very, very uh, out of nowhere story. So, yeah, maybe he shows up at uh, at this. Yeah, Who knows? could be. Could be uh, any one of the people who got released recently. <laughs> See some interesting debuts. Hmm. Hmm. The um, the the thing I I feel like we are so far off from quote unquote normality that I feel like you kind of just have to forget about the thing of oh well you know no we should wait and de- debut the revival in front of crowds like you're gonna be waiting mm-hmm. a long time if you're waiting for that. Yeah. So if Drew Gulak is free, just fling him in this match because you, you, you'll be waiting for a very long time to fill up Daly's place legally. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they can hold off. I mean, things like blood and guts, yes. But things like debuts, uh, no. Just run with it. Especially as they uh, they continue to, to wane a bit in the television rigs, which is fair mm. enough. I mean, look, people aren't watching wrestling across the board right now. Um uh, it kind of seems like both the Wednesday night shows took a little bit of a hit from UFC being back, which I know was not on television, but uh, I, I would imagine there was some crossover there and people decided to watch uh, that show on, on Wednesday. Paul, have you watched any of the Empty Arena UFC? I did. I watched the uh, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson pay-per-view from the weekend. Hmm. That was the first UFC show I watched in about a year and a half, two years. Wow. It was pretty good. I didn't watch it live, by the way. I, I watched it the next day. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's going to do it really for this week's show. So yeah, I completely forgot. Yeah, yeah. So double or nothing is um, is this Saturday. So we've got one more dynamite before that. So I guess next week will be a, a double or nothing review show. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the various other bits and pieces of news and our lives after that. And uh, yeah, so we shall leave it there for another week, folks. Chair Shop Pod on Twitter, Chair Shop Podcast. Um, uh, is that the URL, chairshoppodcast.com? That's the one. That's the one. I'm only saying it for 10 years. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go on there for the archive to send us an email. I haven't had an email in a while. So pop us an hourly email about whatever you want to chat about and uh, or you can tweet us as well. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk Double or Nothing and everything else that happened along the way. So uh, thanks very much for listening, folks. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. Goodbye.